Good morning, everybody. This is Tom Zalatnai, and before we get started with this week's episode of the Up for Discussion podcast, I've got a couple of things to say to you, the listener at home who is listening. This week's episode is sponsored by Waddle and Flit. Waddle and Flit is a toy maker from Montreal who makes adorable, realistic-looking stuffed animals for your boys and girls. You can head to etsy.com slash shop slash waddleflit and enter the promo code SOFTBOYS to get a 20% discount. 20%. That's a big number. That's a fifth. That's one out of five dollars. Order now. Guys, in this week's episode, Tim and Simon talk just a little bit about not spreading yourself too thin over the Christmas time holidays in the year. And, uh, well, that's why I'm not on this episode this week, because I have done that. So, without further ado, here is an hour of Tim and Simon talking about things. Enjoy. Labels ring. Are you listening? In the lane, the snow is glistening, a beautiful sight, we're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland, gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is the new bird, he sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. Welcome to the Up for Discussion podcast, the only show on the internet where we talk about the things we talk about in the order we talk about them. I'm Summon Pelty, and apparently with me is Russell Crowe. What? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. My, my voice is not the best right now. I definitely got some <sighs> things going on in my voice. I'm Tim Blay. Hi. Hey. Um, it's going to be a podcast, Tim? just the two of us today. Yeah, we haven't done that in a little bit. It's been like over a year. Oh, literally over a year. You can go back, listeners. And yeah. dear, dearest listeners, and and listen to the other episode. Uh, I, from what I remember, there were a lot of long pauses. Were there? Maybe, or or maybe there were just a lot of topic changes because we went through topics really quickly. So we'll see if this one does that. Well, it could be, but you know, long pauses aren't necessarily the worst either. As long as as long as it's a thinking pause where you've given the audience something to think about, right? I think hmm. that then that's okay. Uh, yeah. If you're if it's an awkward pause because. We don't have anything to say. Yeah, but you can't it's guarantee okay. that the audience is going to think about it. You know, it's possible that the audience is listening to you say you make your point, and then they just kind of go, "Yep." Yeah, but I kind of I hope that the audience thinks about everything that I we say. You know what I one one thing I've I've been thinking about. Yeah, I've been hearing uh, <clears throat> this song, "Walking in a Winter Wonderland." Yeah, and gone away is the new bird gone here away to, is the blue bird here to stay is yeah the new that bird. one yeah is the laziest rhyme no and not really the most interesting <laughs> lyric well you know like there's a, there's a lot of of christmas songs and they vary in quality of son, songwriting and at least that line is like is i would say is at most mediocre hmm but that's a, I mean, that there's there's a rhyme in there, right? The rhyme is blue and new. The bird just comes along for the for the ride, if you will. So that's a common thing that people do in in rap these days. Is that they'll they'll do a whole stanza where every line ends with the same word, um, and but then the previous words keep switching to make the rhyme and to kind of I don't know. It's just a different okay. way of yeah. rhyming, I guess. It's like yeah, guess Skater Boy sense. and Later Boy, which is also I I never really liked that one either. So yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, but oh, have you been listening to a lot of Christmas music? No, not at all. I've been pretty much just focused on banging out this new song that I'm oh. doing. Um, oh. it's very, it's very, it's the longest. This is gonna be the longest video I've ever done. Really longer than a Bohemian Gravity. Yeah, wow. yeah. The song itself is eight minutes long because it's it's oh. not a song. It's uh, it's four songs. It's oh. a it's a medley of songs. From a, a particular Disney movie that I will not give away because I want it to be a surprise. Uh, um, can you can you mouth me the title of the movie? No, but I'll uh. do it after the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you can live in ignorance for another hour or so. <laughs> Speaking of living in ignorance. Oh, what about it? Oh, do you want to go on my topic? Uh, I had other things I wanted to say first. Okay. Yeah, because uh, thank you for asking if I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music. Have you? No. Well, yes. <laughs> well, that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> I, on. I, no, I, I have been. I, I tend to like, um, more like sort of non-conventional versions of, um, <clears throat> of some Christmas um, songs. M Christmas songs. Christmas songs. Uh, so, like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, so like, I, I really enjoy when someone will take 
a uh, like a Christmas hymn, for example, and reinterpret it. Mm. Um, you know, like keep the words, but like change the melody enough that it it just becomes interesting. Okay. Um, you got any shining examples of such? Yeah, things? I think if you listeners and you as well go mm-hmm. Google the version of O Come O Come Emmanuel by Citizen Shade. Okay, that is, I think, the best example that there is. Interesting. That one, that one, I like last week. I did that as the podcast yeah. opening theme, yeah. and I did it sort of in the style of Sufjan Stevens because he does yeah. that too. But he just makes it really sad, like yeah, because it's 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 yeah. him. John Mark McMillan did a version of Joy to the World that's also really sad. Yeah, um, there's a band called Beta Radio that does a version of Oh Holy Night that I've never found Oh Holy Night to be a, an interesting song until mm-hmm. I heard them sing it. Are these um, all like sort of indie folk kind of artists? Uh, yeah, most <laughs> mostly. Here's a good question. Uh, well, John Mark McMillan isn't. I guess he's. Does he count as indie? Mm, maybe he's like i mean he's like semi-mainstream in the sort of ccm contemporary christian music sector oh, is that that's still a thing i i mean i don't know that it's like officially known as ccm <laughs> but like sort of in christmas in christian music a lot of people know who john mark mcmillan is but what were you gonna say i was gonna ask do you think that there's enough space in indie music for like variance in emotion like do you think it's how sort do you of, mean because I, I think that there's 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 a place in in indie music for sad, yeah, and there's a place for sort of like bittersweet happy, right? Um, but I want like are there are there do you think there are emotions that that like the the sort of indie folk style can't express very well? Interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, like just I think I don't think so. I think like. I don't know. Like your question, I think comes from like I, I get the feeling you don't listen to a whole lot of quote unquote indie music. Well, it comes it comes from sort of the typical like yeah like meme of indie music. Yeah. And actually thinking about it, like if I think of say Mumford and Sons, they're yeah. very good at they they can do anger fairly well. Yeah. Um, and they can do they can do like ecstatic joy pretty well too. Mm-hmm. So maybe that sort of yeah covers the basis. That's, that's interesting. I think that there's. I, don't, I feel like there's sort of two um, factors in in that, and one one of them is sort of this like prevalent idea that if you're an artist, you suffer, mm-hmm. um, and so people I think out of that tend to assume that if you if, if in order for you to be authentic, you have to write sad songs, or if you write sad songs, you're more you're a more authentic yeah uh, uh, songwriter. Like I remember, I think City and Color it kind of got like a, a a bit of a I don't know, like a uh, a bit of a rut in songwriting because he started to get really, really successful and he wasn't as depressed, right? <laughs> and so he like kind of ran out of stuff to 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 write about. But I, so I think there's maybe that the kind of and makes people want to listen to sad songs because then they feel like they're being maybe a little more artsy just because of this sort of mm-hmm. undercurrent or under sort of subconscious idea. Um, but I think the second one is also that a lot of songwriting happens um, during very strong negative emotions because these are emotions that you can very easily hold inside and you need to find a way to purge them. Like if you're incredibly happy, you're probably going to go talk to a lot of people or go do something fun. Like, yeah, yeah. You're going to, you're going to be out in the world. Yeah. You're not going to like, you're less likely to write a song that is particularly happy when you're feeling super happy than you are when you're, really really sad or really angry or really scared or like you know i have two whatever. examples of artists actually making pieces on that topic one cool. is the the poet sarah k i think is her name yeah yeah, yeah um, totally. she she has this this poem about how she's in love and now all her poetry is crappy <laughs> <laughs> she's like i just can't That's i great. just like i'm actually thinking in cliches now i can't i can't write like, yeah. good stuff um, and then the other one sort of on the other side is cursive had this brilliant album called uh, the ugly organ way back in the day this is like right. 2005 or something okay um and that was kind of the premise of the whole album but particularly one of the songs called art is hard which is <laughs> it's all about like the 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 mantra is kind of you got to sink to swim um, right. and the idea is that like if i'm like i'm not in a terrible place so i'm gonna make up a terrible place and this whole album is gonna mm. be a story about a guy yeah who's just feeling really awful because otherwise you guys aren't gonna like my music totally and, <laughs> yeah and i think it, it's it's so in that I find that super interesting, um, because like on on one hand people 
like listeners want to hear sad music because in a sense like when you feel sad you also kind of feel isolated so when you when you um listen when you're in a breakup and you listen to breakup songs you feel like someone is you feel connected to someone right yeah um but and and anyway and like for whatever reason people kind of want to listen to sad songs which kind of makes artists want to create sad songs so that they become maybe a little more relatable or just or even just like sell it's not necessarily just just that you want to listen to sad songs all the time like you know there's a huge market for like you know the radio pop stuff but it's i think it's that often i find myself going to particular artists to feel a particular mood right like that person is Mm -hmm. my that that artist is my go-to person to feel like this yeah so i'm you know if all of a sudden um you know, Bonnie Vare starts doing super happy stuff. It's weird to me because I'm like, oh, actually, right. I haven't listened to Bonnie Vare's new album, and I'm told it's quite different. I've actually. I've listened to it once or twice, and it is quite different. Yeah. I I've, I haven't really paid attention to the mm. lyrics, but it is like I don't know. Yeah, or I I know yeah. that, that it's, it's very atmospheric, which I, is the, a lot of what he does, but it's oh, in, a, okay. in a very different style. But it's sort of more electronic based, I think. Yeah. But Sufjan Stevens, bringing him in once again, found this, I think, when he he, he got really sick of the banjo and the trumpet. Yeah. Um, and he switched to this kind of like, he did he did this this album called The Age of Odds, which was very okay. like, it was like super multi-tracked and like epic yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And people just didn't really like it because they were like, well, this is not, like mm. I have people for that, you know? That's, yeah, I, that's also super interesting because like a, a lot of artists become super popular for being edgy and different mm-hmm. and experimental but then people get used to that type of experimental and then when an artist decides to try to experiment in a in a different direction because they're like okay yeah. i've done this i've covered this medium let's try something else then people flip out because they're like you're not the sufjan that i knew or you're not the bonnie Vare that i knew or you're you know like this, something yeah. similar i i heard the argument that something similar happened with uh, the the Netflix season of Arrested Development. Okay. Where Arrested Development began by kind of exploring a different style of comedy, right? And was kind of experimental in how it did things. Uh, and then the the Netflix season tried a totally different format that was I mean like they 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 had a lot of a lot of production problems mm. but I you know they made they still made something and they came out with something that presumably the people who made it were really proud of but because it wasn't the arrested development that that the viewers were used to uh it tanked it, like a lot of people hated it just right. you know presumably possibly because it just wasn't what they were used to yeah and I think that's a really hard balance to strike as an artist because if if people really want you to be a category now like yeah artists usually are people who thrive on not being a category right and by like like pushing onward so it's it's the question of do you do you push onward or do you actually do what people like like are you there for yourself or are you there for the consumer who expects something yeah. particular of you yeah and i think there there must be a way and there have been artists that do this fairly successfully that they yeah. sort of straddle that line and mm-hmm. like pull their audience along with them into new things. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think it's, I think it's just a, it's, you, you, you got to stick to your guns in a sense, you know, like, like uh, Larry David did something kind of like that when he ended uh, Seinfeld. Mm. He like ended it when it was in its, you know, at, at its peak and he had a very sort of odd ending right. that where a lot of people were expecting like Jerry and I don't know what her name is. The other girl. We need, we need Tom here. Yeah, to talk about to, sitcoms to <laughs> to, to uh, end up together. And then they decided. Larry David decided like, no, they can't because they've been really awful to each other this entire this entire show, and mm. they need some kind of retribution. And to this day, he still says that he made the right decision. And it's like it hasn't affected Seinfeld. And if anything, it's made Seinfeld much more interesting. Right. And I think to a certain degree, The Walking Dead also kind of does that, where at the very beginning. Uh, you didn't really have a sense of like, at least in this aspect, like who would live and who would die. Yeah, your favorite character could die at any moment, and that's happened to me while watching it. And then they didn't do that for a while. You had the core group that they that you followed for a little bit, and sort of side characters that you kind of enjoyed died as well. Mm. But the, the the core group didn't, you know, like was safe. Yeah, it was. And, al- it was always kind of like you you. 
and I, I got really annoyed with Walking Dead and actually kind of stopped watching it for this, right. was that they would keep like to it felt very manipulative to me the way they would bring in a character make you care about them and Just then kill bit, them yeah yeah uh, but but that they wouldn't actually affect the real the real core because yeah. they were like okay it's it's we're too far gone now these are the safe ones yeah so but they still wanted to keep that feeling of everyone everyone mm. can die yeah but then they switched it up you know they 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 brought it back they were they they brought back the idea of like now anybody really can die and mm. and I think that the the season last season finale and this season has sort of played with that and like without too many I, spoilers without too many spoilers but well I mean like if if you've seen this the the series up until at least this the season finale mm. you know that a major character dies you may have already you may already know who that is mm. because you've seen it on the internet I think I know that a major character dies even though I haven't seen it just because yeah. Everybody's like, talking about it. A shocker on Walking Dead. I'm like, yeah. oh, I wonder what the shocker was. <laughs> Maybe they they discovered a cure. No, I think no. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So someone someone major dies, but like, and in in a sense, like, I never thought I would say this, but similarly to Seinfeld, it happens uh, because Rick and everybody else thought that they were invincible, thought that they could do things impunitively, and then they messed with the wrong guy, and now. This guy that they messed with is like, okay, no, you can't do this anymore, and there are consequences to what they've done, which is not something that's been much of a thing lately for the characters. And I find I I don't know I really really like it. And as much as I uh, am is saddened and grieved by the character who died, I I still really love the show, and I think so that the show did the did the right thing. So bring this back to uh, yeah. like creative creative <laughs> ruts. What do you what do you think that has to teach us about? Um, creative ruts yeah or or about about trying to get out of your um that the category you've you've been put into yeah i think i think like just you know you shouldn't um you shouldn't let let that category get to you and i think a great like going back to music a great example of that is radiohead Mm. where radiohead sound has uh, Radiohead has had a feel that has been similar throughout their entire career, but their sound has changed a lot, and they've all they've always been really innovative, and they've changed a lot. And mm. I'm sure some people have stopped listening to them because they thought they were, it was just too different or whatever. But I think that their commitment to to their craft is what um, has made them still successful to this day. And I think that your your commitment and your love for your craft is and should be more important than how people perceive it. Yeah. You know, that's 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 hope. Like, I agree with that on a on a, like a, an artistic level. Yeah. What what worries me, you know, in sort of the the workaday artist world is that if you actually do lose a lot of your support base, then maybe you can't do anything. So this is yeah. something that I like I've been thinking about recently because we've been thinking of like doing other things with the Acapella Science Channel than mm-hmm. just these big gigantic, you know, yeah. epic things because there's just First of all, it takes a very, very long time to make them. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a lot of ways that I feel frustrated by that. That like there's there's very little you can say by doing one song every two months. And if yeah. there's if there's more you wanna Is get that out how there long it's been taking of, you now? Yeah, approximately. Yeah. It's about every two months I get something out. Um so yeah, if you have more thoughts than that, like you can I can come on the podcast and talk yeah. about whatever I want, but at the same time, like I think that there, it would it would be interesting to have a space that's devoted to because I have a lot of a lot of things about science that I want to do and I don't want to just hijack this whole yeah you know this whole thing. This is all of us and we bring in guests mm-hmm. that are you know when they're when they're sciencey great but you know they're not always. Um, and I don't want to make it that right because this yeah. podcast is about all of us. So we've been talking about doing some like some some more vloggy style stuff yeah. and some more interviewee style stuff on the on on the channel um to actually go and get experts and things and do like an hour-long sit down kind of thing Mm. um or like science news and opinion that kind of stuff and i think we're gonna push ahead and do it but at the same time the thing that's kept me from doing that for years or anything like that has always been this fear that it's not what people signed up for you know and that if you if you do something that's too far outside of it then people saying oh this isn't what i you yeah. this isn't the category that i wanted you to be in yeah so now i'm gonna go you know i'm not gonna pay attention yeah. to this 
Do you do you feel good about this new content and the new direction that the content will be going in? Like, well, is this it, something that you are excited about? It's still in the planning stage, but I think I like. I'm not going to make it unless it's something that I am excited about. Mm-hmm. I think I like what I want to do with it is make it the kind of media that I'm actually consuming, but more in the science vein. Because what I've been consuming is a lot of like conversations and podcasts and mm-hmm. things where you can like really get down into the depths of an idea and wrestle with it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very hard to do that with a song, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So mm. I don't so, know. Yeah. And are you, do you feel like you're leaning in one direction more than the other? I think we're, we're going to do it. We're going to give it a try. Yeah. Something that they were telling, they were saying, who's they, um, I was about to say, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we went, when we went to YouTube next up and yeah. were, like a lot of what, um, the people in charge of that and the guests that they came in to speak were saying is that like people really attach themselves to people. They don't, especially on YouTube because you yeah. can see the person, you can sort of interact with them. It might be a little different than hearing music where it's mostly about the sound and the, um, like the, the sonic timbre and how you make, it makes you feel. YouTube is more about the person in front of you. Yeah. So often if you can, if you've established a connection with that person, it's like when you have a friend and your friend tries something new, you're not going to be like, you're not the type of person who would do that kind of thing. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. It's like, oh, cool. My friend is doing something new. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. So I'm hoping that that is true um, mm. and sort of going to give it a try. And worst case, you know, everyone hates it. And then I go back to what I was yeah. doing before. I, I wonder if there's a way to kind of ease into it too. Because I, yeah. I, I think that one one thing that people can, that, that can make people very, uh, reticent to change is unexpected change. Yeah. So like, you know, no one had, I like from, from what I know, no one had really heard much about Bonnie Vare's, um, new album until he was like, Hey, my new album's coming out or Hey, my new album is out now. Right. And people said, I didn't know you were working on one. Yeah. And then when they listened to it, they heard something completely different. Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe there's a way that you can, ease into it maybe like announce it and then maybe like the first guest is something is someone who can talk about the video you just made or a video you've done before yeah that's kind of the idea i think yeah but it's, cool. it's still in the uh it's still in the the, the process of being worked out yeah. but yeah i think that's mm-hmm. that's the general it's a it's, yeah it's a it's well, a worry but i think it's a worry that has is more of a past worry than a present worry. right yeah i i could i could be a guest you could be a guest. Yeah. You're a, are you an expert in the sciences of of, of um, sword fighting? I don't know. What would you be an expert in? Um <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I could dear. sit on the set and make jokes. That's true. I've been yeah. thinking about that because that's how that's how the Star Talk Radio podcast works, actually. Uh, the it's what a, now? Star Talk Radio. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast. Oh, okay. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson interviewing a scientist with a comedian on the side, just like <laughs> cracking wise about whatever that it is they're talking well, about. Well, I can be your comedian. Um, I could uh, I could have a mustache, smoke a cigar, and have a flamethrower. Those are things comedians always have. It's a reference to the comedian from Watchmen. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. You were, uh, before the podcast, you yeah. were saying something else about sort of being a creative... Yeah, I so I I don't know that the, so I rather I know that this is not unique to creatives or to artists, but it is something. It's maybe more based on personality, but I've I've found myself recently um, with a lot of free time on my hands, and by free time I mean time that I'm not at uh, school and time when I'm not at work because hmm. I I lost my job a, a little while ago. Okay, and then I just got a new job, and there was this time in between where I wasn't working and I only had three classes. And then my play ended and my play was one of my classes. So I essentially only had two for like a month. Uh, and I thought, great, that's going to be so much free time for myself. I'm going to do all these things that I really enjoy and that I've been meaning to do. And I never did them because I was somehow became even busier or it felt like I was even busier hmm. than before I got all this time. And I'm I from a lot of the artists, artists that I know, which is kind of why like I, I'm I get the feeling that it happens to artists a lot um, is that that's the kind of thing that we do where we have all these projects that we're doing or we're always doing something else and we're always keeping ourselves busy with something. And um, it, it, it reminded me of something that a teacher had told me uh, in second year where he said that a lot of people tend to 
will go on vacations to mm. they'll say they take it to decompress but he thinks that artists need to take breaks to recompress huh because artists tend to stretch themselves thin they'll get attached to so many different things that they don't spend as much time on themselves and that's what i've been feeling lately is that i'm not getting as much time for myself and i've been getting frustrated um and and i'm i don't know like sort of all the all the symptoms that i get as an introvert from always being doing something and never having a or not having as much downtime as I could or as I need. And okay. I'm wondering I'm wondering if you feel that as well. Okay, that's interesting. So you're saying that like when you got when you got more free time, you was it that you suddenly felt that you had to fill it with things or that, that, that there were like there were all these things that you you had thought as soon as I get free time I'm going to do this. And then That's it, it filled them up or what, like, what was it that took that time that you thought you were going to have? Yeah. So I think as, as you were asking me this question, I, I kind of had like a, a little bit of a, of an insight where, um, I think wh- when I was, when I had more school to do and when I had work, I, my schedule, my business was kind of set, you okay. know, I would like, I would go to school from this time to this time on these days. And I knew that on Tuesdays I had these things. And on Mondays and Wednesdays I had these classes. And on Wednesdays I had, you know, whatever. I knew, like, my schedule was pretty consistent. And so I I knew when I could take the time off. Or I, like, the, the um, my, yeah, my, my time off or my free time was maybe, maybe already pre-scheduled for me. But at least I knew that it was there. Whereas... When I have a lot of unplanned free time, mm-hmm. I can think, okay, well, I'll do all these things today, but then tomorrow, I I can I can take the day off, or tomorrow I can just chill, or tomorrow I can sleep in, or whatever. And then it, it's almost like as the day goes by, I make a ton of plans for tomorrow, mm. and then tomorrow happens, and I'm really busy, and I'll go, okay, but like tomorrow, I've got this thing at three, but then I can I can do whatever I want before, right? I can finally go do this thing, and then I somehow become super busy before then. Or like I'll just have a couple things that are close enough together that I can't really take time off in between, but not so far apart that like it. I, I don't know, you know, you know, like it's just so it's sort of a day by day thing that like, yeah, it, it, it because becomes, you think you think to yourself, I've got so much free time now, I can totally yeah, yeah I I can agree to do this thing that's happening tomorrow, or I can plan mm-hmm. this for these two hours. Yeah, totally. I think that I've I've felt that a lot in the past, especially. Um, yeah, with with the freedom that my job allows me, right? To, yeah. To do like all of the time, all of my time could be allotted to creative time, but also all of my time could be allotted to pretty much anything else. Yeah. Right. All I've got is these like big deadlines that are like two months in the future, and yeah. then I like a, a mass of time. So, yeah, that definitely ends up happening to me a lot, where um, I have this time, and I I think I just. I don't know. I think for me, I just don't realize how much time any given thing is going to take. So I'll I'll agree to something and think, oh, that's going to take an hour and not realize that it also takes, you know, half an hour of, um, you know, commuting and yeah. then half an hour, like, and then of course it's not actually an hour because you don't think about. And it you know, ends up taking like two and a half hours. Yeah, it takes two day. and a half hours and then you, 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 you know, you scramble to the next thing. And, yeah. Um, mm. I don't know. I think also I've had to kind of set boundaries in terms of um, like doing just doing creative stuff. And because I I struggled a lot before with when you don't have a particular schedule, I felt sort of obligated to give my time to people who who would sort of be presumptive enough to ask for it. Right. Right. I mean, maybe presumptive is a bad word, but just confident enough to say, hey, like you, I, I really need you to say move my furniture today. Would you be yeah. able to? And I'm like, well, I yeah, I right, I'm always able to. Yeah. But if you if you get into that mentality and you say yes to everything that that other people say, or even yes to everything that like you th- happen to think of, right? Then it can quickly get to be that you've you've eaten up all your time and you've left important things off of it. So I think I don't know. Maybe it's just really important to like set a really solid priority list in your head of like, okay what is the what is the most important thing that i'm not currently doing yeah right? and then once you've got free time you put that in the slot right away because yeah. if you if you just have free time then the moment somebody says or so- something is suggested to you in that moment that's the most important thing you're thinking about yeah that's a really good point point. and then you just you just slot it in there and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's it's your time's eaten up yeah huh that's super so. interesting 
I don't know. Does that does that sound like the way that you're you've been processing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where like someone will be like, "Hey, what are you doing Thursday?" And I'll be like, "Well, nothing." So I guess whatever you were about to suggest. And then when we <laughs> get to Thursday, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I didn't Christmas shop." Oh, oh, I that's need to a good. Yeah. You know, and then I have to rush and go do this thing, and like that's what happened recently when um, Clara had to. Well, Clara went back to Edmonton for Christmas, okay. and we have we always have a little Christmas for ourselves. For, for, I guess for each other mm-hmm. um, before she leaves. Uh, and so I had to prep, like I had ideas for, th- I had thought about what I was going to do and get for her, but I hadn't done or gotten any of them. Yeah. And so I had to like really scramble <laughs> last minute to like do and get these things. Um, and I, I ended up being super stressed out and it wasn't as pleasant an experience as I, as, as, as I would have hoped and as, as I think I needed and as probably, you know, Christmas should be. Christmas shouldn't be stressful. It should be fun and pleasant and nice time with your friends and family. Christmas is a time I think that you especially like. It's especially hard to manage your commitments and also especially um, easy to yeah. overcommit because it seems like everything is happening within yeah. this month, right? You've got a bunch of obligations to your family, probably. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, especially when you're friends with a lot of students, like everybody's about to leave. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, we should catch up before the <laughs> before I leave. And it's like, yes, I sh- we should. But then yeah. when 20 people do that, all of a sudden, you that's, have, that's it. Like two you've hours. Done nothing but, yeah, you've done nothing hours, yeah. but caught up for the past two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, with your like your commitments with your family are like things for Christmas that require prepping for Christmas. So maybe you're going to go like. Christmas Christmas tree shopping with your family, which may mm-hmm. take about an hour and a half, and then you decorate the tree, and then you do some baking, and like, yeah, it just, it is, it is a lot of, yeah, yeah. It I also wonder about, um, like, we, I've I've been thinking about this particularly in terms of those those of us who have sort of come from a like a Christian background, um, mm. where we're like we have often been taught to be selfless. Like, and like the more yeah. selfless you can be, yeah. the better, right? It's yeah. kind of the thing that gets into your head, which puts yourself at the, like, at the bottom of your priority list. That's so, so true. I, like, That's really, really then true. Then no matter who's asking you to do something or to, to take a piece of yeah. your time, if it's conflicting with, with your me time, your that part of you that's been, yeah. you know, very very deeply influenced by by that sort of philosophy he goes well i can't i can't yeah. say no for for something that i'm doing that's just me right that's selfish mm. um so I, I i don't know i think that going too much to an extreme of that can be unhealthy and it's important to figure yeah. out well where do i rank in my priority list of people yeah. right? like if i was asking me to do something and somebody else was also asking me to do something which people would i rank higher than yeah I, I, I've actually been, I, I had a thought a couple of days ago where I, and I don't know how much I agree about it, but I thought like, should, should I be 51% of my priorities? Hmm. You know, should I, or like, should I be 51% of all my importance? Which is like, I'm not, I like, I don't consider myself to be like much more important than, than anything or any, or anybody else, but I'm not, I don't think I'm equal and I don't think I'm less. Cause like, if I said I'm 50%, then like, I don't know, then I, I mean, it's hard to quantify something that is so subjective and and individual and kind of not quantifiable, right? You know, which is like how important, like like how important am I to myself? Is something that that varies from from which which season of life you're in. But like, what what do you think about that being fifty one percent? I don't I don't know if you can bring it down to one number because it's no? so situation dependent. Yeah, because like say. Say I have a, you know, there's someone who I haven't talked to in a couple of years and I'm not really interested in being friends yeah. with them. If they, if they say, hey, I'm, you know, if they send me a Facebook invite that says I'm playing a show across town, you know, I will probably ignore that. Whereas if they send me a message that says, hey, I am being like, I am trapped under a building. Can you call the fire department and or come and get me? Um like that, that, that ranks a little higher, right? So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like when you talk about, would you go, would you go to, on the other side of town to save someone from a building? I think so. If they actually contacted me about it, like the, it does, doesn't really matter. Like 
if you think about it rationally, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in yeah. that moment. Probably saving a person's life is more important. Yeah. Um, and sadly, I think the, the, the actual calculus of human beings is that that person has to be somewhat connected to you for even that to be true. Right. But like but then, for, for example, for my, you know, for my family, um, maybe they even rank a little higher than me in terms of if they need me to do something and I need me to do right. something of equal priority, I might actually go with them. Mm-hmm. And like, that's okay. But on the other hand, if there's something I really, really need to do for myself and my family is like, hey, it would be kind of cool if you could maybe do this, but it's not really important. Mm. Then I, I leapfrog over them and I say, no, I'm going to sit in my cave and edit songs. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, it's always, it's always, and like, you know, it, there, there might be something that in, in normally, and I've experienced this a lot, where normally I would be very happy to do, um, even if it's just like hanging out with like a good friend of mine, but on one certain day, I just really, really need time to myself. Yeah. And it's, and, and I'm noticing that like, oh, for the next week or so, I'm really going to have none of it because of this and this and this. And tonight would be my only time to have the entire evening, afternoon and evening to myself. I'm going to take it. And well, then yeah. I'll, I'll reschedule and hopefully this friend would understand. For those things, it's also important to know when you can act, when you will actually be useful yeah. in that or like good in that situation. Yeah. Right. If you're going to be just like terrible to your friend because you don't have the energy, then it's probably a lot better to yeah. not right you're you're yeah. not you're not really doing your friend a favor by forcing yourself to yeah to be there that's a good point oh. speaking of being a good friend you know how tim do you know how our listeners can be good friends to us um friends yeah do tell well they can go to patreon.com slash up for discussion and donate to the show because this show ain't f- it may be free for you but it ain't free for us yeah it costs us like tens of dollars to make yeah, this show and tens of hours mm-hmm uh per tens of weeks yeah to make well if you include editing time and uploading time that's like tens of hours per month for sure yeah for certainly and uh we you know we'd really appreciate uh if 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 you donated even just a couple bucks even like a dollar we it it means a lot that you that you would be willing to do that for us yeah it'd be really cool and it's not like we're just stealing your money you know you get to i would say you get to ask us a question but we don't actually know (laughs) <laughs> we, we can't get into the Patreon this week because we forgot yeah. to ask Tom about yeah. it. So there's not going to be a Patreon question no. this week, but usually there is. Usually um, there is if you donate $5 or more. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you want to like schedule a topic of conversation for our you discussion. can and we will address it. Yeah. We will, we will talk about it. So yeah. anyways, thank you to all of, all of you who are donating. I mean, you're a lot of our listenership. Yeah. I think in terms of the amount of people listening versus the amount of people donating, we're actually like pretty... I would say good. so. Yeah. Um, so that's like, thank you, fans. You seem to be very engaged. And uh, yeah, we're trying to make this good for you. We try our best. And and we have, you know, we, we have faithful listeners. So I think we're we're on the right path. Yeah. 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 Um, so patreon.com slash up for discussion. Speaking of right paths. What? Speaking of right paths. I think you had a topic you wanted to talk about. Ah, I did. This is a, so I've, I've been one this of the This has been things, a heavy podcast, right? Uh, no, no, that's fine. Um, yeah. So one of the things that we we were talking that I was talking about, like when when I was talking about doing some talky stuff on the on yeah. the, the channel, one of the like the first thing that we're gonna do going towards that is I'm doing a Q and A for yeah we just passed sixty thousand subscribers woo, woo! Um, so I sent out questions not up for discussion he means acapella science. acapella science yes yeah um, got a bunch of uh, questions and I sat down and spent about an hour and a half answering them we're gonna try to cut it down to something reasonable. Yeah. No, no one wants to sit through like a, like an hour of somebody ten, talking. Ten or, ten or 12 minutes. Mm, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but one of the questions that I got um, was about um, like the U.S. political system and kind of the, the science um, spin. Like, like, what do we do about the, the question was, what do you, what do you th- this is a verbatim quote. What do you think of yeah. Donald Trump and his anti-science cabinet? And I was thinking... Like what I really thought in that moment was that I don't feel like there's anything I can do about it, right? There was kind of this hopelessness. Um, yeah. And then what I what I really thought was, well, what what can I do it? And what can scientists actually effectively do about 
you know, not this because like what, what whoever comes in to the U.S. government and doesn't believe in climate change or doesn't believe in evolution or doesn't believe in vaccines or whatever, it's a symptom. It's not yeah. the problem. It's that like anything in a democracy that happens is a symptom of of a thing within the people, mm-hmm. right? It's a symptom of of who like what the entire body of the United States is feeling and thinking. Yeah. And I think what I, what I've been thinking about is how do you like in a field that's so hard to understand or that like actually requires um, experts a lot of the time, how do you like get past this charge of elitism? Like, like the experts are, if if you're not an expert in a subject and you listen to some experts and you have an opinion and the experts opinion differs from you, it can be easy to think that the experts are, are feel superior. Yeah. And I think, because in a sense they like, like they are they do feel well they that. do feel superior yeah. but also i think that people are trusting experts less and less yeah as like the the internet kind of democratizes um information whether or not that information is good or true or useful yeah. it's very much the case now that if you think somebody is wrong you can go on the internet and like find out to the best of your ability whether they're wrong um, right. so so someone just telling you like I, th- I think what I'm what I'm realizing is that 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 thing that everybody always says about climate change, right? Like ninety seven percent of climate of you know scientists agree on yeah. climate change, holds a lot less water than it used to. Yeah, because people don't want to be told that they want to know exactly why ninety seven percent of these people agree. And if those people That's can't, a really good point. If those people can't communicate that effectively then they go on the internet and somebody else is communicating effectively about why maybe there might not be so right. true. So, I don't know. What do you think about about that? That's a really good point that, um, you know, pe- people seek to, whether they're aware of it or not, seek to understand things more in depth rather than just sort of accept what, uh, what experts say. Yeah. Um, and I like, I really don't know how how one can move past it. I think that um, the, at least the one direction that you can, they, we can start in is to move the conversation away from online and into personal. Um, and, and I, or let's say like away from comments and more to direct, because I, th- I think you can have a healthy and you're talking inter- about interesting sort of and like take, taking yeah. arguments off of Facebook and into like real life. I, I think like you, However close to real life you can get, you know, like I've, I've had some really interesting conversations, um, over Facebook message with people that I've disagreed with. And like, we haven't necessarily reached a consensus, but I think that the, the, the attitude was different than if I had just commented on a status or whatever, or a a post that they'd shared, uh, talking about why they were all completely wrong. And I think shifting the tone away from here's why you're you're wrong to why do you believe this right um i think can be much more productive and i think that's in a lot of cases and if not in every case that should be the direction that we should at least start going in and i think that that applies to you know a lot of things like you know uh, political things but things like race and you know Mm. things like things that some people can ignore really, really passionately and some rhetoric that is inflammatory. I think that that can be, that should, can and should be dealt with kind of individually, you know, where you, hmm. if you know someone who um, doesn't really trust experts in science, for example, or um, I, I like, I don't know, just like believes a lot of, a lot of um, feeling based ideology versus fact-based ideology or or even just facts in general i think one thing you can do is just talk to them individually and be like hey like why is it that you that you feel this way and you kind of just try to try to move more into the specific Mm. like to that like with that person personally right one one problem that i i think because there's downsides i think there there are downsides and up and upsides to like online conversation versus um yeah. like real life conversation and i i want to i want to disagree a bit with the idea sure. that that on, that like there are only good things about face-to-face discussion because i think mm. 
what I've found a lot of the time is when I have a conflicting opinion with somebody um, who feels very strongly about it, um, they're like, First of all, I don't, it, I'm not sure if I've figured out how to make either situation go well. Because when I do, when I do that on, when I sort of hash out the argument on Facebook or on yeah. an online source, then it gets, it tends to get very heated because you're more willing to like say what you really think and say it in stark terms. Um, yeah. and you or can't, things can be perceived more stark than they are. Yeah, and you, you can't see how the other person is emoting or how they're reacting or yeah. you can't. You can't even have them stop you in the middle of what you're saying and say, hey, let's talk about that. So the yeah. conversation just balloons and it's a mess. Yeah. Um, and you've said five things that they need to respond to right now and they you, you lose track of the argument very fast. Yeah. But one thing that I've found in like personal conversations is that because I'm so conflict avoidant when someone's actually in front of me, yeah. if they feel really strongly about something, I will think in my head, you're wrong, and then I'll change the subject, Right. Right. <laughs> because I, I don't want to do that. I, huh. Like, I, I don't want to start that, that conversation when that person is right in front of me because I know it's, it's like, it's just go, it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, and so my need to, like, socially placate the people I'm talking to is also a weakness in terms of actually getting down to the truth. Hmm. So I, th- I think that I agree with you when you're, when you're with people who like who can i don't know detach and have like a civil discourse on something in person right i and then for the people who can't i don't really know how to talk to those people in any situation i would i i would mostly agree with with that i think the only uh the only the only uh difference that yeah the only difference that i would that i would point out or i i guess is that um it 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 works or i don't know it works it goes well I find with people with whom you just have a, a a vulnerable and and trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it necessarily has to be people who are like ne- you know particularly civil. I think it, I think it, like because anybody can be civil with anybody that they trust, mm-hmm. and anybody can be civil with anybody who they like and they love and and right. value. And so I think that if if you establish a relationship with someone where you say like, hey, you know, you can be honest with me and I won't judge you or I won't be a dick to you, mm-hmm. then it, it then it can be a lot more. Um, I don't know. It, it can be a lot easier to have like a like a very raw conversation with someone. Like I remember having an extensively long conversation with a friend of mine um, because they didn't believe like they they were very disillusioned with um medicine okay institutional medicine mm. uh and so like just really passionately believed that like doctors and modern medicine couldn't do anything for them uh despite the fact that like the things that they were going i don't know like i i don't know that it's despite the fact but like it, and so they moved more toward like alternative stuff mm-hmm. that um that, Perhaps yeah. has some some credit to it, but is not like a particularly reliable or a particularly consistent or even effective. But often, you know, but often does sort of it. It has more of of a sensitivity towards like the the more the to use a buzzword holistic needs of a person. Yeah. Like I think that's yeah def, that is true totally. about a lot of like alternative medicine types of yeah. things is that you actually do get a person who's going to care about you and your problem. Totally. Whereas like with medicine, you're with, with like a lot of hospitals, you're not, you get put in a room and then the doctor comes in and within five seconds of you trying to explain your problem, the doctor presumes they know what's wrong and they're usually right, but it's very dehumanizing. Yeah, Um, it is. Right. So yeah, like with, with that, that's a good point that if you, if you're in the medical field and you're trying to figure out how to push back against anti like like anti-medicine stuff Mm. it's it's possible that the way to do that is to look at how to bring in actual humanity to real medicine i feel like that as opposed to having people choose between inhuman medicine and human non-medicine yeah and i i feel like that's that's where you know family practitioners uh, uh come in you know where like you have a general practitioner who knows you and has been with you for years and they can understand how you work and they can be like i get that you're you know you 
you come to me saying that you feel nauseous and I know that you've felt this way for, yeah, you know, eight years. Uh, and you know, this isn't new and we've tried these things and they don't, don't work. So let's take some time to think about it and maybe come back and see me next week so that we can do this test. And then I'll tell you within a couple of days with the test, you know, like I, I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah. So taking the approach of being more personal, but my back, back to the point, which was that sort of the, the, the tone of the conversation got really heated Okay. In, in in some cases, like we were practically yelling at each other at some points, mm-hmm. but when the conversation ended, or even just when the conversation shifted, we were back to being really good friends because we knew that, like, like the the conversation kind of stopped being civil after a little bit. Okay, but because we knew and trusted each other, we knew that that didn't affect who we were to right. each other. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and I'm I'm reminded of um kind of the the religious debaters back in the day, like a, like C.S. Lewis versus, or, or Chesterton versus George Bernard Shaw or right. like H.G. Wells that had like incredibly heated debates where they would, they would like just tear each other apart and then they'd go and have a drink. Right? Yeah. And it's like, like, I think, yeah, that's what you need for a conversation like that is to, yeah. to know that after the dust has settled, you're going to like you, your perceptions of each other aren't actually mm-hmm. going to have been like, super altered to the point yeah. where you can't be friends anymore. Yeah. And I, so I, I think that to, to go back to your, to your question about like, how do we sort of move past the elitism of expertise of experts? Mm-hmm. I think it's just like, just by like showing that we're all people. Well, that, I think, yeah. And know? I think the experts have to be better at that. Right. Certainly. Certainly. And I, I, that applies to, very many fields i think mm. you know if not every field probably every field i don't know that there may be very many experts in anything that yeah. are that are you know not well well there there are there are experts in everything but yeah. what what happens a lot and this is a, this is a recurring theme that i've been thinking about of many things election yeah. um is that whenever you start to feel good about yourself for putting somebody else down you yeah. are going to end up losing support in like Certainly. any capacity. So yeah. like when when a scientist, like, I don't know, Neil deGrasse Tyson had a tweet last night that really annoyed me yeah. um, because he, he just tweeted out like, if only people spent a little less time thinking about football, maybe we'd have flying cars now, right? It was something like that. Oh, yeah. And it was like, okay, like, is this helpful? <laughs> are you getting anybody on your side? Are you, yeah. or are you just like mm-hmm. choosing something that more people like who aren't supporters of you like than people who are supporters of you. And then you're going after that to make yourself and your, Mm -hmm. like, and your posse feel good. Right. So, and that's, that's definitely like a, a thing in left wing people is that like you, like you just feel very much, I don't know, just very morally superior and like the other sides are idiots. And like, that's on both sides for sure. But that's, I've noticed that a lot. Well, it's a problem whenever you get into an ideology that, um, like this is not even so much the science side of it, but w- when you say when you think that someone who disagrees with the way you see the world is morally deficient, yeah, right. And I've I've seen mm. that happening, yeah, quite a lot on the left and quite a lot on the on the right as well, so, yeah. Um, and I I, I guess like sort of where, where where I was what I was getting at, um, is that like it, there you on the left there's definitely this sort of like Daily Show. Um, mm-hmm. phenomenon that has like really spread and a lot of people sort of follow that like a, a sort of similar format and the daily show has changed a little bit ever since john stewart left and now we have mm-hmm. trevor noah and trevor noah has been like doing things a little bit differently recently which i've been finding very interesting but mm-hmm. some of the like correspondents that they have who like would go to uh trump rallies and like talk to people and ask them quite and it would all it would always be like a couple um of the same type of questions right like mm. one of the main ones was like they would go to a trump rally and say oh hey so like you know trump wants to make america great again and they go like yeah he's gonna make america great again and go okay well when was america great mm. and there there were like obviously a lot of it was was meant for comedy and to kind of put them down but there were a couple moments when this one correspondent would just like just the kind of question they would that he would ask and how he, and how he asked them created some like semblance of, of of a genuine moment between him and the person he was he was talking to okay and like it seemed like there were there were moments when people started to like think about what they were saying and looking back 
or sort of stepping back and looking at what was going on mm. and just thinking about it a little more critically rather than thinking about it emotionally, which like you will always think emotionally about something and that's okay. But I think that when the, in, in a lot of cases that can dominate what you're doing and that's just very risky. It's not wrong. It's just risky. And, and I think that that's just, you know, re- it, it wasn't like uh, America was never great. It was okay. I want to, in, in a sense, it became, I want to understand what it is that you're trying to do specifically, mm. you know? Yeah. I think like that's, that's something that I've been thinking about when, when thinking about starting to interview people on a more regular basis. Yeah. Because something that really annoys me is when an interviewer goes into goes into an interview trying to provoke a certain response from somebody or like yeah. with their ideological bias, not so much on their sleeve as hidden in their questions so as to trap the other person. Mm. Like what? Um, Give me an example. So, um, you, well, you, you see this all the time with, with a lot of like pundit shows where they'll yeah. ask you a question and then... The question is almost designed so that the first sentence you say yeah. will sound kind of ridiculous. And right. then when you say your second sentence, they'll cut you off and ask another question. Okay. Um, or just like, I don't know. I think that it's it's good to, it, it's fine to have a bias going into something. But when you're doing, when you're like maliciously trying to like find the, the worst people. Um, like that's a problem with comedy show bits like that is that I don't know how many people they interviewed and had very decent responses yeah. um, who said very thoughtful things because they're going to cut together the clips of the people who make the comedy show work. Yeah. Um, so did you, I, did you see Trevor Noah's interview with uh, Tommy Laren? I haven't. It's been all over the internet and I've avoided it thus far. I honestly, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I think he, I think he did a really, really good job and he kind of stepped away from the, I want to make fun of you. It really was like, a, okay, let's, it was less of a, I mean, there, there was a certain amount of, I'm going to try to convince you that you're wrong, but it, it was almost like going on her turf. Mm. And rather than just saying like, look, just spewing facts at him, it was a lot more of, you know, what do you think of this? Okay. Have you thought of it this way? Yeah. You know, and that was, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was super interesting. Mm. And I was really, really, really impressed with how he, how he managed that. That's cool. Going back to, to like the sort of the science expert thing. Yeah. um, There was a very similar thing that happened um, when Bill Nye did this debate. Um, at the Creation Museum oh, yeah, against, Ken against Ken, the, Ken Ham. Did he have a second one? Or is it I think just the they one just had the one. Okay. Um, but it was what I found really interesting about that was that he got a lot of flack from scientists for doing yeah. that. Um, from, you know, people who are who were more dismissive maybe than he was, yeah. who, who said like, oh, don't give these people your time. Like, don't even, like, they're not even worth you talking to them and you you're just going to like give them credibility you're going to give them support by going to their venue and doing this and he said no they've got support they've got the credibility of the people who like them um they're this is not a tiny like fraction of people that you can dismiss this is a real body of people um and who better to reach out to and educate than the people who like just actively believe that you're wrong and actually actively believe things that go against what you're trying to teach and he was very he was like very um non-judgmental right like he he wasn't doing like the cheap jokes because you can't because you're in that person's camp right you're in you're in the creation museum doing this debate so he all he did was like stand up and present his case very calmly and i think the other thing is with examples that would not necessarily be the examples you would use to convince a scientist. It was things that you could really bring down to like convince someone who knows about the world around them and is reasonably observant without them having like a PhD in environmental science. Right. Yeah. So stuff about like, Hmm, have you thought about the, the arc and how big it is and how boats twist? And I'm going to show you this, you know, this, description of a of a big wooden boat that fell apart because it you know twisted uh, and rough she is um it's, it's like instead of going at okay well here's how we know the exact you know radiocarbon spectrum of a certain plant and mm. like so i i don't know i'm hoping and this is the answer that i ended up giving on on the q a just that with better communication and with knowing better how to take complex ideas and put them um, put them in terms that you can actually understand them. Yeah. Um, then 
people become more informed and they become less scared of yeah. experts. Because as soon as you make that that one chink in the wall where someone realizes, oh, that makes that makes perfect sense. That guy's right. Then they'll like the next time you present something, you're a little more trustworthy. It's a little less of a battle. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, Is that time. Huh? Is that is that time? I think Are it's about time. So yeah. uh, thanks, guys, for uh, listening. Yeah, thank you, Tim. This was this was fun. It was definitely a lot less awkward, pausey than I had thought or than I had uh, feared. Yeah, it's always it's always kind of nerve wracking when it's two people. Like, yeah. are we gonna actually have enough to keep it going? Because we we definitely have a <laughs> we we have a slew of episodes that are two people that are great, and other episodes that are two people that are not so great. Yeah. Anyways, thanks guys but for it's fun. yeah listening. Cool. We'll be back next week for our year in review. Yeah. 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 So that's gonna be exciting. Cool. Get to, if you uh, want to tell us in the comments of the SoundCloud. Things yeah. that you liked about the year that maybe we can include, or if you're on Patreon, so yeah, leave us a comment on this post. You can also tweet at us at Down With Talking. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, that We really appreciate that. Whether it be a, a, a bad review or a good review, yeah. it helps us. We'd prefer a good review. Yeah. But, but if you want to leave us a hilarious bad review, that also gives us content. So Yeah. yeah that's good. That's, so, always yeah. A, that's always a fun thing. Follow me at Acapella Science. Follow Tom at Tom's Latini. Follow Simon at Know the Other Simon. And uh, um, that's it. Yeah. Bye. Bye.